There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. Happy so Happy to have you. Yeah, yes. so happy. What a time. It really is a time. There's no yeah. other way to describe it. Let's escape. Let's escape. Yeah, to kick off my favorite month of the year for various reasons. I'm biased. My birthday's in October. But also... Happy birthday in advance. Let's all, let's all say friend. happy birthday together. I don't need that. I'm not looking forward to this birthday. It's a bit of a milestone. I'm not happy about it. Um, we love that for you. Thank you so much. I mm-hmm. desperately don't, but <laughs> it's all good. But I also love... October because as a white girl, I have to love Halloween. Um, sure, sure. It's in the contract. Not that other people don't, but there's a fervor with which I've noticed a lot of people raised in a similar manner to myself who look a bit like me love Halloween. So sure, I figured we'd go a little themed, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I'm terribly excited to talk about one of my favorite authors, Mary Shelley. Oh, yay. Really? What do you mean, really? Frankenstein? Well, I, yes, but, you know. Heck yeah. I'm so excited. Okay, great. <laughs> You're so surprised that I'm excited about this? That's so Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm a little bit. I'm just thrilled. I'm, th- I'm thrilled that you're thrilled. How's that? <laughs> so we set our scene on August 30th in 1797. I'll be more specific. Um, we are in London. And Mary Wollstonecraft, one of the most brilliant, almost proto-feminist, although it's anachronistic for me to call her that, um, writers, and the philosopher and uh, weird anarchist William Godwin, give birth to a daughter. In his journal, he puts, um, Mary was born at like 2 2 a.m. or something like that. It's actually really sweet. Um, and these are, I mean, two of the most brilliant political active minds of their generation, Mary Wollstonecraft and um, William Godwin. Mm-hmm. And their union was not expected by either of them. She actually has a child from a previous relationship. Um, people assumed that she had married the father of this child. But a theme that you will come to embrace in this story will be free love, you know, and, and, uh, uh, the notion that women are free even within a marriage. Hmm. So again, we're in the late 18th century, early 19th century. And it's a, just, these are fascinating people. Um, so Mary Wollstonecraft published, of course, Vindication of the Rights of Women in response to a really ignorant MP's um, 
like laying out of his thoughts about the French Revolution. And of course, Mary Wollstonecraft was living in France during the time. She was actually not allowed to leave during the revolution and the subsequent reign of terror. She was one of the um, foreigners who got stuck there. So it's a really terrifying time. While she's there, she meets this American adventurer, uh, Imlay, Gilbert Imlay. Yeah, Gilbert Imlay. And she has a child by him, Fanny Imlay. And their relationship sours pretty quickly. Um, she she did firmly believe that, you know, women could be unmarried and have a sexual relationship with someone. She also firmly believed that um, she would have been, you know, fine. She would have been happy to be married to him, but then also continue having affairs with other people. She's a really, really interesting woman. Um, so she's at the time, you know, she's writing this absolutely seminal work in again, I will say proto-feminist literature, um, just because they wouldn't have been able to identify themselves as such because that word did not quite exist yet. And I feel like it's rude to put that on them. Anyway, so she it's true. It's true. Um, she has a daughter, Fanny Imlay, and she chases after Gilbert because um, she's in love. And he adamantly does not return her affections Um, and actually she tries to kill herself a few times. Thankfully she is unsuccessful and, um, she reacquaints herself with a former colleague and friend who I will say friend, they did not get along the first time they met. They met at like a dinner party with, you know, the picture, like a bunch of anarchists and, you know, fun political minds together at a dinner. And then these two start going at it all evening. They're just yelling at each other. Classic rom-com. It's classic. Thank you. Yes. And, and so they meet and um, they, the second time around, she has a child and they actually get along really well. And it becomes a really lovely relationship. Again, fairly soon into this relationship, she becomes pregnant. And so they decide to get married. um, And they, which at the time of their marriage, people then found out she was not married to Gilbert Emley and they lost a lot of friends. Um, but also they didn't lose a lot of friends because again, people were either with them or completely against them politically. Mm-hmm. Um, which is again, just like so cool. Um, so these two bought their own houses next to each other because they wanted to keep their independent freedoms. You know, I'm actually really into that. Right? Yeah. I could see that. Right? For myself, I mean, of course. Same. Oh, same. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. This is, this is what um, uh, Helena Bottom Carter and, um, oh, the father of all that is Halloween. Help me. Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Thank you. Um, and Tim Burton uh, did. They had bought like What a fun couple on a side I note. know, but they broke up. I know. I know, but we love that they were a thing. But um, we love the melding of those two specific minds. It so makes the most sense. It really does. So they have these houses next to each other. She's pregnant. They work on a lot of works together. It's a fulfilling and loving relationship. Um, And unfortunately, after giving birth to her daughter, Mary, about less than a month later, Mary Wollstonecraft dies from uh, complications of childbirth because who Mm. didn't? And so Mary is left with her father. Who's like, what do I do with a child? Um, And in 1798, he publishes the memoirs of the author of A Vindication of the Rights of Women. And he saw it as this like beautiful and honest tribute to his late wife. And of course, it details her affairs and illegitimate child. And it shocks the public 
Um, was it meant to shock? Or no, 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 he, he was earnest. He meant for it to be a, just a beautiful and honest tribute, tribute to his late wife. Yeah. And of course, because he didn't believe in anything wrong with what he was doing, you know, and they, that their relation, he didn't care that she had a daughter from a previous relationship that he was now having to raise, you know, totally. all of this, that you know, this was his wife. And as far as he was concerned, from what I can gather, again, we understand childhood and parenting differently than they would have, but it's just... Mm-hmm. It's as if, from what I've read, it's his child. Fanny is his child. And, of course, baby Mary. Um, And something I've chosen to do is uh, I have to – there are so many Marys in this story. I've had to abbreviate their name. And because we're so lucky to have so many of Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin Shelley's – that's that's her full name – her letters, she always signed them MWS. So that's how I referred to her. So if we are, and we're talking confused. about the author now, not the mother. Yes, no. So Mary, that's, that's why it's tricky. There's Mary Wollstonecraft, then there's Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, but her maiden name was Godwin. So it was Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin, then married Shelley. Okay, sure. So we'll refer to her as Mary Shelley, correct? Yep. Or MWS. MWS. No, Mary Shelley. She's Mary Shelley. Okay, great. I just realized it's just, you know, we're before she meets Shelly. So I was trying to be all, you know, but it's fine. I see what you mean. Um, it's all good because it doesn't matter. Okay. So um, Mary Shelley was brought up in this like really awesome way. So William Godwin firmly believed in and fully educating his daughters. And he, um, I mean, Mary Shelley was well educated for her time. She was brought up to be a political mind. And what I love is there's this phenomenal quote that William said of Mary when she was 15. He said, she was singularly bold, somewhat imperious and active of mind. Her desire of knowledge is great and her perseverance in everything she undertakes almost invincible. Hmm. And then he says, I am anxious that she be brought up like a philosopher, even like a cynic. So (laughs) to understand, you know, her, her childhood. I think that sums it up really, really well. So she's raised this way. And then, uh, you know, it's this somewhat idyllic um, childhood. She even says in her like 1831 introduction to Frankenstein, I was brought up in the countryside. She wasn't, it was really London, but you know, um, it was back and forth and, and, and she has great memories of this time. Um, And she was brought up to singularly cherish her mother's memory. I mean, she read, all of her mother's works many times, as well as criticism of it and her father's memoirs. So Mm -hmm. she was brought up in a fairly fascinating, free loving environment, especially for the end of the 18th century. Um, So a few years later in 1801, William married another Mary, Mary Jane Claremont. We'll just call her Mary Claremont. That's why I said there are so many Marys. I'm ready. Um, Mary Claremont, she had two kids from two previous relationships, which was a scandal at the time. Of course. And the, the what I love, though, is that she kind of tried, again, to be like, no, I married him. But then when she married William Godwin, I was like, but you didn't marry him because you married another man. Um, so she came with a son, Charles, and a daughter, Claire. And so she become Mary Jane Claremont becomes a stepmother to Mary Shelley and her half-sister, Fanny Imlay. And at this point, their relationship is fine, but it quickly sours. Um, Mary Jane Claremont is said to be very jealous of the bond that William Godwin and Mary Shelley have. 
Um, and so she becomes every ounce of the evil stepmother that we like to think. I just have in my notes, stepmom and MWS did not get along. Um, so it really is like a rom-com fairy tale situation. Dude, her story, I just oh, get ready. So Mary's growing. This is the environment in which she's growing up. And in around 1812, she meets Percy Bysshe Shelley. Ah, oh, what a man. Um, so between 1812 and 1814 is is when they're suspected to have met each other. Um, he used to visit her father a lot. He was a great fan of William Godwin's work. And then they had this falling out of her money that I didn't care to read that much about. Because um, <laughs> it's always boring and stupid. Am I wrong? Sure. sure. So all we need to know is they fell out. But Mary Shelley meets this radical poet, philosopher, anarchist, and she's like, you, you are it for me, bud. She was raised to like that specific type of person. Pretty much. I mean, that's why it's really funny that William Godwin hates their relationship as much as he does and will do. Hmm. But it's, it's, he did it to himself. Don't we all? I mean, yes. So in 1814, she is 16 ish. Yeah. He's 21. Of course. And they start meeting at Mary Wollstonecraft's grave. Okay. And no, 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 I'm not done. Okay. And then, as rumor would have it, that's where she lost her virginity to him. You know what? I'm not going to kink shame. I want to, but I I won't. I want to only just to say it was her mama's grave, but... Yeah, no. I mean, I can't personally say that I would make that type of a choice. Yes. That's a, um, that's a very wonderful way to say it. Right. Uh, I guess, yeah. I, I mean, sure. I have just questions. There's a lot but of therapy that could have unpacked things for her. That's all. I, I just, I wish, I wish I could have known how that started. You know, well, she like, used to visit hey, her mom's grave all the time. Sure. What was he doing there, though, is, is a well, little more. They would more... meet there. Yes, but was he just there or was she like, Hey, I'm gonna go to the graveyard later if you wanna if you yes. wanna pop along. Most likely the latter. Okay, great. Yeah. Was there ever a, like a thing about needing to be accompanied or anything? Like you know a guardian how, because she was a girl. Yeah, no. sometimes young women need to like be followed everywhere. If we've learned anything about Mary Shelley's childhood, no. <laughs> right, exactly. I, truly, truly though. Um so there's just like one small hiccup. Uh, he's already married. Um, but he, of course, you know, he believes in free love and that right. women shouldn't feel tied down by marriage and they should all have sexual freedom. That is what he believes. It's oh, funny his that wife his too? wife, no, his wife doesn't believe that, but he does. Right. Um, right. You know, I so- wonder if, I wonder if his wife actually took him up on that and went and tried sleeping with other men if he'd feel the same. Well, it's really interesting. Um, We'll get there. So we'll get somewhere. We'll get somewhere. So on the 26th of June in 1814, they declared their love for each other. That's in history. Yes. Wow. There's, this is like the most easily traceable life I've ever had to talk about. I love that. 
Like I had no trouble finding things. I have letters pulled up. I was able to read her letters or letters from him to her. Like it, it, it's the best. This is, is this is what we dream about. You know, I also, I'm very much into the idea of discovering things that no one saw before or like reading something in a new way. You can't really do that with this kind of thing, but Mm. I'm also not quite like, yeah. smart enough to be able to have made such a discovery in my very yeah, definitely time are. in academia. Um, you definitely are. You're very kind. Um, I also spent just college in the world of academia. So that is how long most people spend, I would <laughs> Very <think>. true. <laughs> very true. I know, but I didn't choose to extend it. Is what sure, saying. sure. Um, I see what you're saying. So yeah, so 26th of June in 1814, in a sublime and rapturous moment, and I quote, hmm. They declared their love for each other. And William Godwin was absolutely furious. Um, <laughs> Mary, who later wrote of a, and I quote, excessive and romantic attachment to my father. Oh. End quote. Was confused. Oh, we'll get there. Um, so she, yeah. So she sees Percy Shelley as this great example of everything her parents wrote about. And again, she was raised to believe firmly in those ideals And so she, you know, Godwin literally said marriage is a repressive monopoly. Mm. Um, And so, of course. course. And so, you know, she's like, hey, but what's wrong? And he's like, no, I hate this one. No, not this one. Um, And then 28th of July, 1814, the couple elopes. They secretly leave for France. They take uh, Claire Claremont, her half sister, excuse me, her stepsister with them. And they leave behind Percy's pregnant wife, Harriet. Hmm. So Mary Jane Claremont, nay Claremont, her actual name's Godwin. She chases after them to like Calais and then they're like, now nah, we're going to keep going. And then she just, I guess, leaves. So Mary Shelley writes about their fascinating journey throughout a really like ravaged Switzerland and France because every, everyone's fighting everyone. It's the 19th century. Um, it's exhausting. <laughs> I don't care. It's war. I don't care. Um, but they're all, it's important to know it happened, but I don't need to discuss it at length. Um, Mm -hmm. so there, she writes this very, very famous journal about it. Um, it actually becomes like one of her most like well-published items. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, so she, they're traveling around and this is a theme in their lives as they travel around, they read, everything and they have these great discussions and they live this like say dare i say a bohemian lifestyle um again it's an anachronism but we'll take it um and so they end up running out of money shocker to no one and by september 13th in the same year 1814 they come back to england but mary shelley's pregnant um it's tricky because her father at this point is having absolutely nothing to do with her and she's genuinely shocked by that like she's like but why um and so they they're almost destitute but they again they continue to attract these great minds to them so it's claire claremont it's shelley and it's mary shelley and they're all living together and they they have this like regimented program of reading and writing and they entertain all of Shelley's great friends. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Thomas Jefferson Hogg and the writer, um, there's a writer, Thomas Love Peacock, a lot of Thomases, um, Tom I, whatever. And so Tom I. Percy Shelley is at the point, like constantly having to leave home to escape his like creditors because <laughs> he's so in debt. 
Um, and they, they write these like ridiculous letters to each other about being parted. It's very dramatic. Um, really sweet. <laughs> and so at this point, Shelley and Claire Claremont are probably lovers, which of course makes Mary Shelley very upset that her stepsister is sleeping with her love. Um, mm. and she herself, Mary Shelley seeks comfort in Thomas Jefferson Hogg, but there's no evidence at all that they were anything but friends. In fact, Percy Shelley wanted them to become lovers, Mary Shelley and Thomas Hogg, but she's like, now nah, I'm good. Even though she really did believe in free love, but she, in practice, it was very different from her philosophical leanings. And so she doesn't do anything again. She's pregnant. Um, and then February, 1815, she gives birth to a baby who's most likely two months premature. And then March 6th of the same year, her baby dies. And she writes this anguishing letter to hog. Yeah. It's just really upsetting. Um, and so she ends it with saying for, I am no longer a mother now. It's just, Oh God. And this yeah. is, again, she's like 50, she's like 16 at this point. So she's wow. a child, but she's incredibly mature and, and brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. And so she, this is an unfortunate recurrence that we see in her life. Um, all of her children predecease her, save one. Um, and aye, aye, aye. yeah, no, it's really, really upsetting. And this is a fascinating theme. There's a, there's a brilliant book called The Mad Woman in the Attic. It's a, I recommend it to anyone. It's about... 19th century literature and the female mind. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a beautiful book and it's, it's a, an interesting discourse on again, 19th century, 19th century literature and the female mind, because this is a great blossoming. This is a great era for women, for female writers. And, um, in the discussion about Frankenstein and about other, um, works by Mary Shelley, it, you know, we can't help but think about her own complicated, relationship with motherhood. And I use the word complicated because I don't have a better one. You know, her mother dies giving birth to her. Does she feel responsible? Does she Mm. feel upset? And she never got to know this mother, but the memory of her mother is this thing that haunts her. I mean, it's, it's, it's constant and whether or not it was welcomed, it was there. Um, Mm -hmm. And then of course she herself is so excited to become a mother and there's, there's excitement is, is definitely the word to use for her. And then her child her own birth with that first child was not very good. A, it was a premature birth and, and, and B, the child dies a month later, less than a month later, actually. And then this again continues to happen. So it's a really fascinating theme of the, the complications of creation that I think will come up again and again, that I have always loved so much about her work. So, Mm. so yeah, so she unfortunately loses her child um, but gets pregnant again really quickly. And then 24th of January, 1816, she gives birth to her second child, William. Um, and she, they, they move to like Windsor Great Park and they're all living a little bit better. Um, and then by May of 1816, that same year, Mary Godwin, AKA Mary Shelley, Percy Shelley and their son travels, to, they travel to Geneva with Claire Claremont. And this is the great creation myth itself. So they wanted to spend the summer with Lord Byron, who Claire Claremont had been stalking and they, she's prego. So he did not return said affections. She was obsessed. Um, She later said something like, and I'm paraphrasing, like he gave me 
the only thing he ever gave me was a few minutes of pleasure for a lifetime of trouble. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Or something like that. Oh my gosh. And then he like describes her. It's just, oh God, they're both horrible people. I hate them. Um, so Claire's pregnant. They have a baby, baby William with her. And they arrive in Geneva in May of 1816 with, um, they meet Lord Byron with his physician Polidori and they rent the Villa Diodati close to Lake Geneva and they spend their time writing and boating and talking late into the night. And this is the year without a summer. There was a volcanic winter that was caused by an eruption of a mount of a volcano in Indonesia in 1815. And so it was literally like a modern ice age. Um, And so set yourself there. You're in this villa. You're by a lake. You're with this like weird group of intellectuals and a baby. And um, there's no sun and it it rained like incessantly. And um, they, they started talking about German ghost stories. And then Byron goes, we should each write a ghost story. And it's this great tale. So, so they, there's this competition and she can't think of a story. And she's every morning when they're like, have you thought of a story? She, she says each morning I was forced to reply with a mortifying negative. And so, you know, it's killing her that she can't come up with a story. Um, Mm -hmm. And then in the meantime, Shelley and Byron are having these great conversations about the principle of life and, and, all of, you know, they talk about Dr. Darwin, not Charles Darwin. It's Erasmus Darwin, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. And she then gets this slight idea, perhaps a corpse, and this is my quoting, perhaps a corpse would be reanimated. Galvanism had given token of such things. Perhaps the component parts of a creature might be manufactured, brought together and endued with vital warmth. And then I'm just going to read this because I'm so obsessed with it. Night waned upon this talk and even the witching hour had gone by before we retired to rest. When I placed my head on my pillow, I did not sleep, nor could I be said to think. My imagination unbidden, possessed, and guided me, gifting the successive images that rose in my mind with a vividness far beyond the usual bounds of reverie. I saw, with shut eyes but acute mental vision, I saw the pale student of unhallowed arts kneeling beside the thing he had put together. I'm just going to skip to the end. And so she, he, the, the creator sleeps, but is awakened. He opens his eyes. Behold, the horrid thing stands at his bedside. She opens her, she says, I opened mine in terror. The idea so possessed my mind that a thrill of fear ran through me. 
and I wish to exchange the ghastly image of my fancy for the realities around. And so she announces the next morning, I had thought of a story and she began with the words that are forever immortalized in my brain. It was a dreary night of November. And she starts writing what she thinks is going to be a short story. But Shelly's like, no, this is brilliant. You need to keep writing this. Um, And so she continues to write this. I'm just going to remind you, she's 18. When she writes one of the greatest works of Gothic literature ever. So young. But you can tell even by that little passage about how she came up with it. I mean, her language and literature skills are off the charts. Off the charts, yes. She's she's absolutely on another level. Um, And so, of course, this becomes Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. That's that's the great. I love the modern Prometheus. It's so good. Um, And that was published in 1818. So she was 20, um, but it took a few years. So. In the meantime, that year, they returned to England in September of 1816. Claire Claremont is still very pregnant. And unfortunately, October 10th of that year, Fanny Emily commits suicide, her half-sister. Oh, my gosh. And December 10th, Harriet Shelley was found drowned. And there's a lot of discourse about what happened with Harriet Shelley. By this point, she had given birth to the child that, you know, Shelley had left her pregnant with. And... Mm. um he, of course, was like, oh, I'm so happy I have a son. And she's like, where are you? Um, so so by this point, they had left and she was left in a bad state. And it is it is said there are accounts that the body that was found in the river was pregnant, which means it couldn't have been Shelley's. The only thing that's hard is, of course, she drowned. So it, was it a body? Was it a child? Was it bloating? I, you know, it, it's, it's disputed. Um, I'm not going to make right. a ruling either way. I don't know enough about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, his two children are now motherless and semi-fatherless and he wants to seek custody of them. And everyone's like, you know what you should do? You should marry your girlfriend. So he and Mary Shelley get married, um, December 30th of 1816. Again, that's all in one year, one year. Um, and, Claire Claremont had her daughter January 13th of 1817. And then um, on September 2nd of 1817, Mary had her third child, a daughter named Clara. So all of this is happening at the same time. They don't win um, custody of the children. And for by all accounts, Shelley's like sad, but that's all I could ever get from him. So whether or not he actually was like super upset is, is something I don't know. But he writes this fascinating letter to Mary Shelley when they discover Harriet's body. And he immediately is like, but it's not my fault. And it's like, no, I feel like it probably was. So all this to say, what a year. Um, and then one year. one year, in one year, she gives birth to her for her first living child, William. They go to Geneva. She writes the greatest story. They come back. Her sister commits suicide. Her boyfriend's wife commits suicide. She gets married. It's it's quite a year. Um, And then like very soon after she has her second or third child. Um, So they publish Frankenstein in January of 1818 and people thought it was Shelley's work. And that annoys me. Um, But because of the name, because it was published under the name Shelley anonymously. Um, And there were so a lot would... of, because she wrote, I believe in the first edition, a 
intro using quotes from Shelley's previous works, some of I his see. previous works. And also there might be a Miltonian one for Milton that I love, um, an epigraph. She said, this is her quote of it, but again, it gives you a good idea for Frankenstein. Did I request thee, maker from my clay, to mold me man? Did I solicit thee from darkness to promote me? So again, this really complicated idea of creation comes up again and again. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's it's tricky. We, you know, if you if they had Google in the nineteenth century and they were to think of an author, you know, if they were to type in the words author, it would pop up as a man. Do you know what I mean? So in the same way that currently, if you and I were to type in the word professor, it would be a man um, and an old white or, one at that. Or most professions, frankly. That Yes, exactly. Um, so it, it, it's a similar thought process. You know, it's their automatic understanding of the world around them. Mm-hmm. So there's this threat of debtor's prison again, and they have to leave. England. So they go to for they leave England for Italy in 1818 in March of 1818. They go with Claire Claremont and her daughter. At this point Claire Claremont's relationship with Byron, which was never good, has completely deteriorated and he's like I will take the child. I will happily care for her as long as you have absolutely nothing to do with her and she's like I guess that's fine. So they go to give um the daughter, I think her name was Alba, but they changed it to Allegra. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, they forced, they handed the daughter over to Byron, who was living in Venice, and they all leave for Italy. They live itinerantly. It's the same story. They write, they read, they learn, they sightsee, they socialize. It's blah. It sounds great, kind of. And then tragedy strikes. Clara Shelley dies in September of 1818 in Venice, their daughter. And William Shelley dies in June of 1819 in Rome. And cause of death? Um, fever. I believe one of them had malaria. I think William had malaria and Clara, I think Clara had a fever. Of course, we couldn't tell what a fever was at the time, but mm-hmm. Mary retreats into a severe depression, obviously. Percy writes in his notebook, My dearest Mary, wherefore hast thou gone and left me in this dreary world alone? Thy form is here indeed, a lovely one, but thou art fled, gone down a dreary road that leads to sorrow's most obscure abode. For thine own sake, I cannot follow thee, do thou return for mine. So, you know, she finds comfort in her writings and she continues to write. She gives birth to her first child, fourth child, so excuse me, Percy Florence in November of 1819. He lives to adulthood. Congrats. The only one. Um... (laughs) So that that obviously lifted her spirits. And during this time, she writes this, you know, Percy's composing some of his greatest works. Mary's writing the novel Matilda, which has fascinating themes of incest between a father and a daughter. Um, the historical novel Valperga, which is a boring historical novel. And then she wrote the plays Proserpine and Midas. Um, and at this point, though, it's hard is she's often very ill. She's very prone to depression at this point. Of course, treatment isn't very easy. And Percy's got quite the wandering eye. So it's not really helping her situation. And she did believe in the non-exclusivity of marriage. And she did form emotional ties with other men and women who who were their friends. 
but I don't think, you know, she didn't just sleep with everyone from what I'm gathering. In December of 1818, they traveled to Naples. And uh, a year later, they, these two former servants of theirs, um, accuse Shelley of having an illegitimate daughter with Claire Claremont, who is still traveling around with them. And it's very disputed what happened. Regardless, the child about whom the disputation was happening dies in 1820. So it kind of disappears. Mary Shelley is absolutely adamant that she would have known if Claire had been pregnant specifically by Shelley. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's difficult to tell, but either way, the child, whether the child was adopted by Shelley to help Mary get over the other children, you know, to help her or, or whether that actually was Claire Claremont's or, you know, right. That he had the child by another local woman or that the child was Byron's, another one of Byron's children. It, it, it's very disputed. It doesn't really matter. Unfortunately, the child dies And then the the Shelleys settle in Rome um, and that's where William passes away. And, and she writes of her to her friend, Marianne, may you, my dear Marianne, never know what it is to lose two only and lovely children in one year to watch their dying moments. And then at last to be left childless and forever miserable. Oh, geez. So she writes, Matilda is a fascinating novel and I actually really recommend it because A, it's Shelley, so it's great. And B, it's just, it's about a young woman whose beauty inspired love in her father who commits suicide from act, stopping himself from acting on his passion for his daughter. And she spends the rest of her life full of despair about the unnatural love I had inspired. Hmm. And it's a, actually... I recommend reading it through this lens. It's a critique of a patriarchal society because Matilda herself is punished in the afterlife, though she did absolutely nothing to encourage her father. So read it with that. Read it with that lens. I think it's actually really, really interesting if we read it through the lens that it's a critique. It's almost satirical. Definitely. And I really love it. Um, So in the summer of 1822, um, Mary Shelley is again pregnant. It's constant for this poor woman. Um, They move with Percy, with Claire Claremont, um, Edward and Jane Williams, who are great friends of theirs, to a villa in the Bay of Larici. Better be saying that right. On June, in June 16th, on June 16th, excuse me, she miscarried. And this was actually the most severe miscarriage. She lost so much blood, she almost died. And Percy shoves her in an ice bath to staunch the bleeding. And had he not done that, she would have absolutely died. Um, Wow. Yeah. So interesting if he knew what to do, though. I know. And I don't know if, I don't know if he did or if it was just like a wondrous stroke of luck. I think it might be giving him a lot of credit. <laughs> I don't know. That's not something I would just randomly do to someone. It's a good idea though, right? Shove them in an ice bath. Well, you know, that could also kill them. I mean, it could shock their system. Very true. At that point. But it worked. It worked, exactly. So unfortunately though, for the rest of the summer, Percy spends a lot of time with Jane Williams, who ends up being such a bad friend to Mary Shelley. Ugh, hate her. <laughs> Um, I don't like when people are not good friends to each other. Also during that summer, 
um, Percy Shelley and Edward Williams had the chance to enjoy their quote, perfect plaything for the summer, which was a new sailing boat, not a woman, shockingly. Um, yeah, I misread that. I know, I know, I know. I did There's a lot of potential there, but I know that's why I did it. I wanted, I wanted that to happen. Thank you. I appreciate, um, I appreciate the way that you delivered that. Anytime. Um, yeah. So it was designed by this like guy, Edward Trelawney, who is this huge fan of Byron's and Percy. Edward Williams and a captain sailed down to Livorno and they talked to Byron and Lee Hunt there about a magazine. And then on the 8th of July, he and Ed, Percy Shelley, excuse me, and Edward Williams set out on the return journey to Larici with their 18 year old boat boy and they never reached their destination. Ooh. And mystery at sea. Th- well, well, so if you read the letters from Mary Shelley to other people around this time, it's, it's, very sad um she and jane williams upon knowing that they didn't reach their destination rushed to livorno and then to pisa and 10 days after the storm three bodies wash up on the shore midway between livorno and larici and trelawney byron and hunt um cremated shelley's corpse on the beach there's a very famous painting of this and etching of that scene Um, and so Mary lives for a year with Lee Hunt and his family in Genoa. Um, and she is obviously distraught, (laughs) um, but she resolves to write for a living to support her son, but she doesn't get a lot of money this way. She returns to England in 1823. She lives with her father and stepmother um and she tries to get money from percy shelley's dad to support his grandson percy florence shelley mm-hmm. um but he didn't want mary to be the one taking care of percy florence shelley and so she's like no but then she ends up getting a little bit of money and then it was just a terrible situation all around and she busies herself she edits her husband's poems she um of course is continuing to write at this point um, mm-hmm. And is continually in the society of, you know, writers and great philosoph- philosophical minds. Um, and she moved in 1824 to be in North London near Jane Williams. And then Jane Williams is an absolute douche and says, um, well, okay, so there's debate whether or not Mary was a little bit in love with Jane And then Jane gossips that Percy had preferred herself to Mary because Mary was inadequate as a wife and couldn't have children really, which is just like, you're the worst person I've ever met. And I've never even met you. poke at people's deepest insecurities. Why don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Exactly. So she starts working on a novel called The Last Man. And she starts working with friends to write memoirs of Byron and Shelley she meets these fascinating people. She meets a bunch of men who try and marry her. And she's like, I'm, I'm good. She literally says, after being married to one genius, I can't marry another. Um, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. So there's actually this really, really lovely idea, um, story that that is true. In 1827, she was actually probably one of the people most in charge of, of a scheme that helped her friend, Isabel Robinson and Isabel's Robinson, uh, Isabel's lover, Mary Diana Dodds to live together as husband and wife. Mm -hmm. These are two women. 
And so she obtains false passports for the couple and creates a fake name for Mary Dodds. Um, and, and they are able to live together actually quite happily, which is so beautiful. And like one little ray of light in Good. this poor woman's life. She deserves um, it. I know, I know. So she writes a bunch of amazing work and she like single-handedly continues to be a proto-feminist and, you know, try and support her, her son. She can't afford the best, but he ends up going to, to, you know, Cambridge and he, he was very devoted to his mother. Absolutely loved her. Um, they traveled around Europe in like 1840 and 1842. She writes again, she calls it rambles in Germany and Italy. Um, and it's their, their travel logs. These were very popular in the 19th century. Hmm. And, um, by the mid 1840s, bunch of people are trying to blackmail her. She gets out of it. And then 1848, Percy Florence marries Jane Gibson, St. John and Mary Shelley and Jane were actually very fond of each other and they all lived together and they all traveled together. Um, but from around 1839, she suffers from headaches and some parts of paralysis in her body, which prevents her from reading and writing. And on the 1st of February, 1851, she dies at the age of 53 from a suspected brain tumor. Wow. Um, on the first anniversary of her death, her son and daughter-in-law open her box desk. They find locks of her dead children's hair, a notebook she shared with Shelley, a copy of his poem, Adonis, with one page folded around a silk parcel containing some of his ashes and the remains of his heart. Oh, geez. And that is Mary Shelley. Oh, gosh, that's so depressing. It's so depressing. But I do want to talk a little bit about... I, I'm so in love with what she does with her tale. And there's this absolute, if you read Frankenstein again, and you now know the circumstances of her life, um, you so read into, you know, the, the creature being so distraught over the circumstances of his creation and the fact that his creator doesn't want him and rejects him mm -hmm. and the creator who's so, you know, absolutely abhorred and terrified by his creation. And, and it's, it's this, you know, it's this tale of, of, uh, you know, loss and, and guilt and the consequences of defying nature and, and the complications of creation. And I think it is a fitting one to read into for Mary Shelley. Absolutely. A true favorite. That's beautiful. Thank you. I guess everyone has to go read Frankenstein. I, I mean, you should do it October. anyway. Yeah. But that's specific October homework now. Well, yes. Well, and, and it is only fitting. It's a great novel to read. On a dreary night. It was on a dreary night of November. What a great, come on. That's great. Classic. A classic. It is. It's wonderful. She lived a pretty hard life, but... She did. She does fit into the uh, bit of the tortured artist category, unfortunately. She so does. And yeah. I, I love that it's not some guy, you know? It's, it's unfortunate that it's her. And how frequently do we see men, ah, the tortured male artist, and it's like, it's accepted that he writes these craziest, you know, these crazy things, but for her, we actually accept her story and her life. And again, I do recommend reading the mad woman in the attic. Cause that's also a really great one. Thanks for choosing her Maura. 
Anytime. Thank you for listening, I guess. Thank you so much and enjoy. Yeah, read it, get spooked, get a fall drink, cozy up. Have a fascinating discussion with yourself about the nature of creation. And proto-feminism. Yes. That's what October is for, let's all be honest. That's what October is all about. Well, thanks for joining us here at HBB. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.